Thanks, team. Just love singing and, and being together. And I love this. You guys, look, I just, I got to call it out. So, you know, Brandon and Nathan, too, on lifts this week, getting the lights up. So cool. And starting to be Christmas. Like, it can't be Christmas yet. It's not even December. But in actuality, this is the first week of Advent. I don't know if you know much about Advent. Advent is the sort of the season. It means coming. It means the arrival. And we start to anticipate and look forward to both the coming of Christ when he came the first time and his coming again. And so it's an amazing time for us to step back. And, 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 and we love the decorations and we love the feel and, and, and to think through the wonder of Jesus Christ, the babe, come to earth. But even more than that, we start to worship that he is coming again, right? Any moment. Seems like he should have come yesterday. I know for me, and we'll start thinking through as, as we take a break now for, from Exodus and we head in for these next four weeks to think about different aspects and different things to think about with the coming of Christ. How important Jesus is. He's always the answer to everything. <laughs> What's the answer? Jesus. You can even say it. Jesus. Sunday school, right? But, but more than that, as we start thinking through Christmas, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, a season of warmth and lights and gifts and wonder, all of it's good. It's kind of best when there's snow outside, a warm tree, a lit tree with some lights. And sometimes, though, if we, if we don't have all that, instead it's rainy and, and cold and there's no family, well, it, it kind of can run a little flat the Christmas season. For a lot of people, it's a time of loneliness because they don't have the things that we associate with the season. Gifts under the tree. Right? I mean, so as we lead up to the celebration of the most important event in history, the coming of Jesus Christ to earth, when God became man, whoa. He came as a babe in a manger to teenagers in poverty. God came and dwelt among us, our Emmanuel. What I'm hoping to do this whole month is to take our Sunday morning worship and, and, and if we can, replant the words. By the words, I mean the word. But I feel like many of the words that we associate with, with Jesus and with this season are words that have been under attack from our world and from the devil and from our flesh. They start to mean different things than what you think they mean. So I want to go back to what the Bible says, what Jesus actually says, what the meanings are that we might plant ourselves but receive this implanted word of what, what, what it means. Because people wonder why they don't have hope or they don't have peace, or they don't have joy, and they're not even thinking of what the Bible calls those things. Okay, so today, first, we're going to think about the coming of hope. Hope. And it's a big, big word, right? First Corinthians 13, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And yeah, the greatest is love, but he's one of the big three. Hope. It's not called the anchor of the soul for nothing. It's so critical to your very existence now. I wonder if you have hope and what that looks like to you. So, so, so I, I want to, again, it's, it's a topical, but it's so important that you would get this. So my question first is going to be, what is it? Let's define it. What's hope for you? I said, hey, what's hope? 
Now, when I say that at home, and I say hope, I mean my daughter, right? So she'll get mad at me. Get it. She doesn't like to be mentioned in the sermon. <laughs> but that's not what hope means, right? It's not my daughter. There's an actual word. Because one of the... the, the here's some synonyms from the, 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 the source in English. Dream. Desire. Chance. Possibility. Longing. So so I, I, I take that and I think of Jesus. Oh, the possibility like a newborn babe. And I, I hold a baby in my arms and I think, oh, what the world's going to have for you, kid. The possibilities that you might develop into. And I think that, oh, Jesus came as a baby. And I, well, that's, that's hope. But I'll tell you what, the, one of the central attacks on hope is that it comes to mean possibility. Wish. I hope it stops raining soon. Amen. I just use hope. Englishly. In a way we use it all the time. I hope you feel better. I really do. I hope I'll have a good day. I hope, I hope Jesus comes back today. I want him to. There's a possibility that that's true. And then, you know, and then... You know, then I have a bad day. Or instead of no rain, more rain. Jesus hasn't returned. My wish has not been granted. This is not the anchor of the soul. Right? Right? It's no wonder people don't think they actually have hope. It's not that we don't have these sort of lesser wishes or desires. They're all over, but they, they become kind of central. And I guess, I guess one thing people say is that, you know, you hope for things that are too small. Or the C.S. Lewis thing, have you heard that? We're so content to play in puddles in the road when, and when we're next to the ocean. That's true. That's not what I mean. Because... The issue is, the attack is, what you actually think hope is. You think, well, Jesus is my hope. Sure, in some distant or cold sense, eventually, you know, I hope to go to heaven. I hope it stops raining today. It doesn't convey what the Bible's after when it says you have hope. So what's hope? What is it exactly? So I, I want you to I want you to track with me, and I just think I'm making it up. So so here's Ephesians chapter two, verse verse twelve it says, "Remember that you is talking about Gentiles, you and me." It says, "Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and stranger to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world." So I, I see that. You said there, there's no hope. You say that sometimes it's helpful to see what it's not. So you didn't have any hope when you didn't have Christ. So you do know that means hope is not a wish. Because everybody wishes all the time, before and after and during Christ. All my neighbors who don't know Jesus still have hopes. Wishes, hope is not a dream. Everybody has dreams. Hope, hopes are not chances, like there's a possibility and I'm aiming for it. 
Not a longing, not a desire, not an aspiration. We all have them for all sorts of things. It's not, you know, I wish I were God's people. I wish God were for me. I hope he is. Like that kind of thinking, right? That's where you use for hope. The closest Bible word I can come to for actual hope is something called assurance. Confidence. Almost certainty. The only real hope is from God, not from us. I've got all sorts of desires. I want relationships that work. I want to stay healthy. I want to stay fit and slim. You can see how that's working out. I, I have these hopes. I, 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 want, I, want, I want kids, at least when they're sleeping. I want enough food and a stable job. I want someone to love me. None of that is assured. It is not the hope the Bible's talking about. The Bible's talking about assurance, confidence. Real confidence in what's coming, what's ahead, in good towards me now. Unshakable, unlosable, unalterable. Anticipation, expectation. That's hope. This is what I want you to have. Assurance, confidence of good towards you in every situation, in every circumstance, in highs and lows, in underlying depth of okayness, like jumping into the ocean. You know, I'd jump off the rocks into the ocean there in Hawaii because that's where I grew up. And you jump in and there'd be waves going. But if you went underneath, it got cooler and nothing was moving. And all that stuff was going on up there. But where you were, a depth of stability and calm, that's getting towards peace. I know deeply something not seen, hope, confidence, anticipation, expectation, nothing to do with chance or possible outcome, certain confidence that permeates my life. If this is right, then how does it relate to Christmas? Why are we talking about this and the first candle of Advent or the first thing that people talk about is hope? And it's not wishing. Well, I want you to see it declared. So that's the next piece to think about. Hope declared. Like I want to have that confidence. I don't feel like I do all the time. But, I, but, but the Bible declares it to you. Declares it. You don't necessarily. Ephesians said we had no hope because we were separated from Christ. So Christ brought hope, not just distant, far-off wishes for heaven, but assurance and confidence of good towards me. How? He didn't look like much, did he? Like we said a minute ago, a baby born to a couple of impoverished teenagers, nothing to look at but God became a human being. Just consider that with me for a minute. The one who made everything, the one who made you, the one who made all the, 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 the stars in the sky and the universes in existence and looks down on them like a drop in the bucket, that one became a baby. Whoa. 
He declared he's the light of the world. He said he's the living bread. He said he's the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's everything. His blood covers all of our trespasses, all of our evil and wrongness. We have life in his name, life in him. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I say, oh, how good. Well, I hear that text. And so this is what I'll do. I will shape my desires and pull my desires. So my desires will be in him. And we'll call that my hope. You will? You don't. Not very well. Just try and want him and not all these other things that I really desire, like people who love me and good food to eat and a job. It's not like that. That's not, I don't think, what the Bible is pushing you to do. Because the problem with this is you're not reliable. If, if I do that, then I really have no hope because I'll go in and out of it all the time. There'll be times when I'm very confident, times when I'm not confident at all because it's based on how well my desires are getting pulled. That doesn't work. It used to be, maybe it still is. Remember, remember our definition we started with, okay? Hope is assurance, confidence, expectation. We had nothing without Jesus, and now we have it. And, 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 and assurance of good towards me. He is our hope by what he said and what he did. Our confident assurance, our promise of God's good toward us. It used to be, it still is for many people, maybe even you, that we had our assurance and confidence in God's good towards me when I did good stuff. I still fall into this. Maybe you do too. I feel so much more hopeful when I've had my quiet time in the morning. I did it, Lord. I did. What you, you're going to be good to me today because I did the things that will make you love me. That's stupid. I know it's stupid, but I fall into it. I do. I fall into these things where I do, if I if you know, manage to avoid the big sins for the day and I'm doing okay, then I start to feel more hope. Because, because why? Because my definition of hope is wrong. I think it's about me. And, and then and then and then I spread that to other people, and so I know people are on these highs, and they're like, "Oh, God's so good to me. All of my circumstances have gone well, and 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 I'm doing pretty good." And so I'm on this hope high, and then all of a sudden, boom, things go sideways, and they fall off the wagon, and now all of a sudden they're in despair, and everything's against them, and they want to die because they feel like God's not for them. That's a wicked use of hope. Don't do it. That's not the Bible. This is what Jesus came to crucify. The world's construct, the flesh, the me focus of life that put in its place real hope, real confident assurance. You can have this fundamental deep expectation that something good in Christ is coming for you. I'm not talking health and wealth. I'm not talking the new car. I'm talking about God's got you in his hands. It's so much more than that. And you say, yeah, yeah, Dax, I, I know. I know he died, and I know I'm going to heaven. No, no, no more. I'm not.
oaths when they really want you to know. They don't want you to have a hope in the sense of wish and desire. They want you to have a hope in the sense of this is coming for you. And the stronger the oath, the more you know it's coming if you trust the character of the person who's making it. We as human beings ought not even make oaths because we can't keep them. But God, this writer says, he, when he needed to make an oath, he was so strong, he swore by himself. There's no one better to swear by. I got nothing else to, you think I'm just going to tell you, God says, but if you really, I really want you to know, this is for you. He says, everything I say, I do. But for you to know, I will swear to you, this is your thing. So I will swear to you by me that I'm going to do. And the writer says he did it twice. It's really interesting because if you go through, you can find several places where God swore by himself. And several, several places are just to a specific little group of people. Like he says, I'm going to judge this and I'm going to do that. And there's only really two places. There, there's possibly a third, but, but he's arguing there's two places that God does that. And the first time is a guy named Abraham. And in Abraham, in Genesis 22, you can look it up on your own later. In Abraham, you know, he, he, God says to him, I swear by myself that I will bless you. And I will, in your seed, will, will, will spread. And, and I will make it be a blessing to all the nations. All the nations because of you, he says to Abraham. The United States. God will be a blessing to us. You, Gentile, God will be blessed. Because of the oath he swore by himself and he never changes. Well, that's really cool that Abrahamic covenant is one of the massive like oaths of the Old Testament. It's huge. That's kind of cool. I like it. But, but, but you're saying these two ways in which God says impossible that he lies. Say, what's the other one? The other one is he swears. I'll, I'll stick it up here. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, funky. No, amazing. Because he says, I am swearing. He swears by himself, you know. And the, the writer of Hebrews picks this up. He uses this verse like four or five times. He says, this is so important that you get this. This is deep, deep, deep God talk to you. He says to Jesus, he says, uh, you are a priest forever. After a priest, a priest mediates for people. A priest goes in for people. And his whole idea that he's telling, he's saying, I promise, like, this is going to happen. You don't have to wish it's going to happen. You, person, you sitting right now, will have a priest that will intercede for you in the inner courts of God. Well, I don't really care about the inner... You ought to. This is every possible thing that could ever happen anywhere for you is mediated by God the Father and through His Son, Jesus. And Jesus stands interceding for you. That's amazing. This is why you have hope. Well, I only do if He's really for me. God promises by Himself... Because he knows we're going to start wondering. Well, I'm, am, I, am, I, am I really um, a child of a promise? Yeah, you're sitting here today receiving the truth about Jesus and trusting Jesus 
And the question is, do you have hope? And the hope you need to have is the confident assurance that God is with you. So what, what's that confident assurance? It's God's promise that Jesus is interceding for you right now and forever. Said, so what's the Melchizedek thing? That means he's outside the law. It has nothing to do with the law. It's before the law. It, it's always and forever. The forever priest that, that, that is over Abraham is for you. I'm not Jewish, you say. Yeah, I I get it. Me neither. This is incredible. This is my priest. This is yours. This is amazing promise from God, the encouragement that we have to hold fast to our hope. This is, it says, it writes in Hebrews, it's from God to you. This is the anchor of your soul. God has promised this. That in Abraham we are blessed and the blessing is Jesus as our forever priest. Our hope enters behind the veil. Right, This baby born in Bethlehem is the forever hope, the forever advocate, the forever priest, the forever interceder, the forever one who stands in the gap. Our incredible Jesus. Hallelujah. I say our hope, hopeless one. Hopeless because you had no assurance of God being for you and now you have the promises to Abraham and the unshakable truth of a priest going to the very presence of God for you. And and, and you think about it, right? All this imagery, Jesus dies and the veil gets ripped in two. Jesus lives... He is our anchored confidence. He goes into the inner place, into God himself, the Father. He is God, but God swears this by himself. It means it's real. It's not a dream. It's not a wish. It's not a possibility. It's not, it's not a hope in the sense that we are used to using it. It is a sure expectation that we are taken care of. He is for you as solid as you can imagine That's why we read Romans 15. Uh, Look at this. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. You're like, well, that's cool. God promised those old people that are long dead. He didn't promise me. But you keep going, say, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. That's me. That's you. God's mercy has come in Jesus. Finally, he came. After thousands of years, he came. And he came, and and, and he died for you and me. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing to your name. And again, O rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, that this news, this hope that's real is for us too. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. He's making a point. It means you and I get to be part of this incredible hope. And again, again, can you stop? No, he keeps going. The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. That's Jesus Christ of the line of David, the root of Jesse. It's a reference to Jesus Christ. And it says he will rule the Gentiles. That's us. In him will the Gentiles hope. Okay, it makes no sense of it. Well, I'll wish and dream that Jesus might be for me. 
Now, in him, I will have confident assurance that God is for me. That's hope. So when Jesus came to the Jews, we rejoice too, because God came as a man. And when Jesus died, he died for us too. We have utter confidence forever, though we don't see it yet. We know it's true because God cannot lie. and He has promised, and that's the word proclaimed to you. Receive it, will you? Okay, I want to talk one more thing, one more part to this. So, I redefine my hope so that it aligns more with what the Bible's talking about of hoping in Christ. And, and then I see that it's the declaration of God to you that, that this is true, and, and I, I trust it. And so now this hope begins to be something that I really trust too, that I really experience some. But what does it look like? What is it displayed? It might be like painting rocks. That's kind of cool. I like that. It's pretty. But again, what does it mean, right? So consider that with me. Hope not as some wish or desire. My, my desires are all over the place. But underneath it, at its core, the truth we speak of, the truth of Jesus why the angels sing, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Because of this news outside of us. And as we realize and breathe it and receive it, that our hope is sure, what we have is confidence in the promise of God. It's true, you see. And we have this depth that's unshakable. And we, I know he's for me, and you know he's for you and for me. And that's the news outside of us. Our sins are really forgiven. Our God has us because he doesn't lie, and he has promised. And our confidence assurance flows from him, and he has done it. It's not from me. It's not him weighing me. On my worst day, I have a depth of knowing the sweetness of God for me. I love the trees and the greenery and the the lights and the presence and the ways we affirm the wonder of Jesus coming to earth and the fulfillment of all the prophecies. But sometimes we need to just speak this to each other. This display that we hold to this truth isn't, isn't, isn't our love. It's not our judgments. It's, it's not even our own desires. It's, it's outside of us assurance. You don't, you don't want to steal it from people. Like if you start saying, hey, this is what hope is, and I've got it. What do you have hope? God for me in Christ. I know it deep in my soul. It is my hope. And then you go and you start talking to someone, and they're struggling and they've fallen into some sin. And you start going, I wonder if they're saved. I don't know if Christ is really for them. Because, well, because why? That's right. There's not really any good reason. The news is outside of them. Christ is for them. They need to hear it. You do realize, I know, you've slipped into something that is horrible and bad and evil. For, but what you need to hear, do you realize Christ is for you? Do you realize his blood covers you like you can't even believe? It is so deep and so wide and so amazing. And that's what you need to hear. You know what? You need to hear it sometimes. Like, 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 like I just had my stuff stolen, my car broken into. I didn't. I'm just making it up. But you may have the worst day you've ever had. 
Someone to come alongside you who knows this hope because we don't hold to it all the time. Our confidence gets shaken. It's still true, you know, that Jesus is for me. But I don't, appropriate, I don't feel it. I don't know it. I, I, I shake. Why is it shaking? Because my eyes get, I'm confused, kid. I, I, I think, oh, no, look at all these horrible things happening. I just, maybe God's really against me and I haven't repented of some sin. Maybe he just doesn't like me. Maybe he really likes the other guy who has a house on the hill out of the floodplain. And I started having these. That, you know what you need? You need to put hope on display. What's our hope? Our confidence that we've got somebody in with God who's for you forever. I don't care how crummy your day is or how much you've screwed up. You realize God's so for you, you can't get away from him. Well, only if you repent really well. No, that's coming back on you when you do that. On you. You'll never repent enough. Neither will they. The truth is, God did it for them. I'm changing my mind about how I'm getting to heaven. I'm not thinking I'm getting there by keeping all the rules. Because I stink at it. They're good rules. The problem's me. So I turn and say, you know what? My hope is in this babe who was born in Bethlehem and who, who, who lived his perfect life and who died on the cross for my sins. And I tell people, you realize, we've got hope. And it's because of what Jesus did. That, that, that's where we are all the time. And this is what we're doing to display it. And let me show you, you can't see. It's even the psalmist. This is David. He's saying, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation. That We see that and go, yeah, I've got to try harder to have hope. No, that's a confession that I don't always have it and I need help. I'm not always where I should be. And I need someone else to speak to me the truth from the word of God to say, you know what? Christ is our hope. Forever. Look. For in this hope we were saved. Hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he sees? Our trouble is we want to see. We long to see. And when we don't see, we start to doubt. And so to have the display of hope is to have you with other people speak out the truth that God is for you. Though we don't see Christ now, yet we know he's coming. We know he's for you. We know your sins are forgiven. Don't push him away. Receive him. Oh, I plead with you. The gospel is true. It's good news. Because I know it, because he doesn't lie. He swore by himself. Jesus is for me forever. And there's not a word there about me being cleaned up. It's all about him covering me. He's my priest. We are saved in this confidence. We don't see some great change. People want to see it in themselves. The cascade of blessing for affirming Jesus somehow. But they're after conversion ways. We try and reapply the law. No, 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 no. We are saved in this confidence, this assurance that Jesus is for us forever. And we don't see it. That's what Romans says right there. Jesus doesn't look like anything. We twist them around to look like a soft word of self-help and hope in your eventual goodness, but our confidence is in something real that we don't see. So we help each other to hold fast to our hope, our confidence, our assurance, our expectation. 
the announcements here. It's all over. It's all over the Bible. I can't. I could spend another hour just going through how the Bible from the very first page in Genesis to the very last page in Revelation shouts his name and points you to him, right? There's Abraham and Isaac. He's going he's gonna to kill his son. No, no, the lamb. There's Exodus we've been going through, right? The, the Passover lamb, the lamb who was slain. There's the manna from heaven, the, the beautiful provision of perfect sustenance from God who points to the bread of life, who is Jesus. There's Joshua, the, the, the Hebrew name for Jesus, leading his people into the promised land. Over and over. There's Isaiah. Isaiah is full of Jesus. Let Elijah just one really fast. Behold, my servant, Isaiah writes, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Is that cool? Who's going to do that? Jesus will. You're bruised. You're barely there. And he treasures and adores. And that's my savior. That's our hope. He does it. Okay. Precious people, hope is all we have. And it's all we need. The actual assurance of God's good heart towards us because that is what Jesus Christ proclaimed. With his words, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. We had and we have no hope in ourselves, not in our good deeds, not in our disciplined desires, not in our search for personal justice, not in any of it. It's in the hope, which we define now, right? The steady, certain expectation that we are forgiven and loved in Jesus. Take it home. It's not a distant wish. It's It's not a possible outcome. It's a confident expectation that he's done it and he's for you forever. And look, Romans 15 says it beautifully this way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See, the God of hope does this so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And this, this is why I ended with how do you display it? Because if you don't have it, if you're going through today uncertainty because the world pokes at you and prods at you or, or, or those sorts of things and, and you say, no, what you need is not more judgment. What you need is not doubling down your work so that you can try and make yourself hope better. I'm using the wish idea. What you need is realizing it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You ask. You get others to ask for you. Would the Holy Spirit please make my heart full of confident assurance? It's not your fault that you don't have it. It's not your problem. The power of the Holy Spirit does these things. And he is our comforter. That's where we go. So today as we end, there's hope for you today. If you realize that you're hopeless in yourself, Jesus, the word, the seed of life from outside, he comes and makes life. We don't do it at all. 
And I've, I, I, that's the repentance that we have. We change our mind to, to desiring and, and achieving ourselves to receiving and trusting this Jesus. And deep hope is for us. I call you to see it today, to see your hopelessness, that death and decay and wrongness that defines you and me and receive the forgiveness of sin and the righteousness that's found in Jesus alone. He is life, he is peace, he is love. He is our hope now and forever. Oh, I have hope for you in Christ. Let's pray.